Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Buckeye Imagination Museum is the destination for whole family fun. Bring all of your kids for imaginative and competitive play. From toddlers to teens, there's something for everyone. Little ones can shop, bank, and go out to eat. And your older ones will enjoy the racing laser tunnel, arcade games, six-person air hockey table, mini golf, and so much more. Grab something from the snack bar and stay all day. Plan your visit to Buckeye Imagination Museum today at BuckeyeImaginationMuseum.org. Halfway between Cleveland and Columbus in downtown Mansfield. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition, a training camp edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Massari, here with Mike Bunt. We're going to spend a few minutes going over what we've seen from training camp. We all got together last week, talked some shot. Mike was there for three days as well as some great updates this week. Uh, it's going to be fantastic show. Mike, how you doing today, first and foremost? I'm doing great. Always good to talk Bills football. Uh, we're getting closer to the return of the blue and red scrimmage this Friday, so we'll we'll be back at the stadium for, for a nice early practice. So uh, hard to be doing better than I am right now. Yeah, we'll start with you, Mike. You spent three days at camp yourself, so let's start there, and then we'll uh, we'll get into this week. Tell me about what you saw on the field last week, some things in the first day pre-pads, uh, and then we'll start to get into the padded practice this week. So why don't you tell me what you, Greg and Eric, some of your favorite nuggets that you found from uh, last week. So just the, the early nuggets that we really picked up on was the pre-snap motion was evident early on the first few days. Uh, the secondary battle uh, was something that we were paying close attention to. Dane Jackson, uh, at least through the first three practices, was the the cornerback number two, uh, the most opposite of Trey White with Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford battling. It was pretty fun watching the linebackers go at it uh, with each of them uh, really kind of getting their own day, Dodson, uh, Bernard, Spector. Defensive line, I was there before they put the pads on, but the defensive line was dominating early on, and it, it appears uh, through reports that still is happening uh, at camp. And then when you switch over to the offense, it, it was great to see James Cook. It looks like he's off to a fast start. And Gabe Davis, he looks healthy. He's making plays. Uh, Stephon Diggs has been unstoppable. It, it, the, the one concern early on would be the offensive line really hasn't um, performed admirably so far. So hopefully that's just uh, some early funks that they that they need to get out of. But as RJ pointed out, Spencer Brown had a rough day, which is not encouraging news uh, for Bills fans after an offseason of questions surrounding him. 
Now you've spent, you know, a fair amount of time at practice, obviously without pads, the defense is generally, especially on the line going to be ahead, obviously receiver to, to quarterback combination. That's going to be different. But when you're talking about line play, uh, there's really not a whole lot offensive linemen can do without pu- pressure and, and punching and, and holding their stance. So um, you're going to have some ups and downs from the O-line. I mean, I had heard, and from what I have seen, some good moments from Spencer Brown and for some of the offensive linemen. I know today was rougher as we start to get into it, but there have been some good moments uh, from McGovern um, as well as Morris when he's in there, Bates when he's rotating in many positions, and Osiris Torrance. So, I mean, I, I'm waiting to see some more padded practice before I sound the alarm, Mike. I think that that's where I stand on the offensive line position. And I think a good note you brought up is the middle linebacker role. It looks like Spectre didn't get his time through today, uh, his, his rotational chance today. So I don't know if that means he's out of the running, if it's just Dodson or Bernard. What do you want to see happen at that middle linebacker position as it's, you know, one of the biggest focuses right now? Yeah, I want to see Bernard ultimately be the starter at middle linebacker. I don't hate Tyrell Dodson. I, I think he's adequate that he can he can start here a game or there but I don't think that's a guy that you really want to rely on for a full season as your starting middle linebacker as I said last week on the on the show he's more of a thumper he's he's solid in the run game but he can be a liability in the pass game and for, for the Bills being a, a team that's so heavily involved with the analytics and and realizing how important coverage is I think Bernard is the guy that you really want to give a shot to, especially when you consider the the assets they they put in him. Being a, a third-round pick, uh, didn't really get much opportunities last year. I'm hoping he steps up and wins the job. But it is also encouraging, like you said, to, to hear some positive things from Balen Spector. I don't really think he has a chance of winning the job, but it does seem like he has impressed early on in camp. Yeah. I heard some good things from the players who have been speaking about how solid he was, uh, how he was able to command the defense. So that was an interesting note. I think that he might have a future there. Maybe an injury puts him in the lineup at some point this season. I do believe his roster spot is safe. I do believe he brings enough versatility, special teams ability, and potential to be on the roster. So that's something to monitor closely. But you have Bernard and you have Dodson. And I think Bernard has done enough to win this job so far. And I'd like to see it through the training camp uh, finales as well as the preseason. That's really where who's going to call the plays, who's going to command the huddle, who's going to bring the most of the defense. That's what's going to be the most intriguing factor of this. Is it really to see Jordan Porter and Micah Hyde? Yeah, a little bit. But the majority of this is going to be how well this middle linebacker can control the defense. Uh, and I'd like to see a lot of snaps each way from Dodson and Bernard to see who can, who can command a defense, thus uh, being the most effective throughout the preseason. So that is something I am keeping my eye on closely as preseason begins uh, this week for the Hall of Fame game, but uh, next week and for most teams. So that is one of the key things I'm focusing on. Training camp battle number two is the cornerback spot. Mike, as everyone's talking about it. Everyone's like, where's Kyrie Elam? Why isn't he an uh, entrenched Hall of Famer? What's going on there? Uh, they spoke today. Uh, Butler, his DB coach, spoke today saying there's going to be a rotation uh, and potentially into the season like you saw with Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson uh, earlier uh, underneath uh, Sean McDermott here many uh, years ago now. So that could be what the Bills get, bearing an injury or someone really running away with it. But how do you feel about the cornerback two battle? And then there's Christian Benford, who just seems somehow like he'll take the job come week one somehow. So, like, where do you stand? And he was obviously one of my surprise to uh, not make the team, but to take playing time away from somebody. So where do you stand with this cornerback two battle? 
do you want to just see it go to Elam? Do you want to think it should go to Benford or do you want to go? I know you like Dane Jackson more than like the average person, myself included. So I'll give you a chance to, to talk about it. Like, tell me what the Bills should do at corner two and, and what you want to see at least for not in the preseason, but in week one. Yeah. So right now, after just going to the practice, a few days that I went to, it, it seems like it's Dane Jackson's job to lose. That doesn't mean he's going to be cornerback number two uh, opposite of Trey White once the regular season starts. There's still plenty of time for Christian Benford or Kyir Elam to play their way into that role by the start of the regular season. But at least at the starting training camp, the Bills coaching staff is going with what they know they can rely on, uh, they, who has been consistent and uh, reliable in the past for them. Now, if I had it my way, I was hoping that Kair was going to come into camp and and snatch the the job, uh, especially you you put a first round uh, pick in him, uh, top twenty five overall. I want it to be Kair Elam uh, for the just based on the skill level and the talent that he brings to the table, but he has to earn it, and I think that's the important thing. The Bills aren't just going to hand the job to Kair now. The, the crazy factor is what you said with Christian Benford. Here you have a guy that was picked near the end of that draft uh, later on, and he seemingly is also ahead of Kyir Elam at this point. Now, it, it is clear there is a rotation going on. So just because two of them aren't going to end up getting the starting corner role opposite of Trey White doesn't mean you're not going to see them playing in games and, and making an impact. But uh, it is going to be – Interesting how this eventually will play out. Uh, the way Kyrie Elam played in college with the press and the man-to-man, it, it doesn't necessarily translate to what the Bills do defensively. So there is a little bit of a learning curve. And obviously to this point in time, the Bills don't feel confident enough to just hand him that job, which is a little odd for a guy that was a high-round draft pick. But at the end of the day, the Bills need to have players that they can trust. And I feel like regardless of those three that you have out there, opposite of Trey, that the Bills will be in good hands. I don't think Dane Jackson gives you the ceiling that a, a Kyrie Elam can give you, but I do think it's the consistency. A, a lot of what we were talking last year with Dane Jackson wasn't that he was getting burnt consistently. It was more so he was in position um, but couldn't make a play. Couldn't get his hand on the ball. Couldn't uh, couldn't really make uh, the the big play at the big moment. So I am optimistic. Whoever steps up will be adequate. But I am hoping that maybe Benford or Elam can step up a little bit more. Yeah. So I did want to say big play of the game, or excuse me, big play of the day by Demar Hamlin with the pick six. It looks like he's hitting the ground running and being every much as so as the backup safety. Mike, I've heard you get kind of, I don't want to say into it, but like last year you were kind of saying, well, it's more the team decision what's going to happen with Hamlin. I remember you making some pretty good points. And, you know, I was kind of with you and other people were like, they're never going to get, he's never going to get cleared. And I remember this, this, this fight sticks out vividly in my mind with certain Bills members. Um, you, you know, he's never going to get cleared. The, you know, 50 doctors are not going to clear him. You might find one corrupt doctor by all accounts. He's back. He's healthy. He's in football shape. He's looking like comeback player of the year early. And he is, I think, batting favorite for it at the moment. Um, and maybe definitely a special teamer and maybe a key contributor with Taylor Rapp, who's been everywhere. On, I mean, he has been everywhere on the field. Taylor Rapp's going to be a nice addition to this defense. And you have Cam Lewis fighting for a special team side. So that's safety 
position looks fairly good right now as, you know, I had struggles last year at times pretty. And then Marlowe, who's, you know, more than willing to come in and be on this roster, but Demar Hamlin back and healthy. He's making plays at camp um, by all accounts. He's definitely a solid backup safety uh, with special teams ability. How's your opinion? I know, you know, you, you said it early on in this whole thing back in February, March, I don't remember the date, but you were like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, if he's healthy, he will get cleared and thus play. Um, and I remember a lot of that not necessarily being the most popular opinion in the, in the late winter. So tell back it up now. Like, how are you feeling about what you saw from Hamlin, the plays he's making, the press conferences he's doing? And by all accounts, uh, I just don't see a story where he doesn't make this roster. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kevin. And, and I feel great for DeMar Hamlin because he he's back. Uh, he seemingly feels good playing football. It, it doesn't look like there's an emotional burden that he's dealing with mentally. Maybe he is off the field, but he's definitely not showing it on the field. We'll see what happens when uh, he, he takes the field for uh, for a game and there's uh, more anxiety and uh, uh, more emotion involved in uh, that first hit that he uh, goes for in a preseason contest or regular season game. We'll see if anything changes there. But, but my view kind of the whole time was, and I, I think this is what, a lot of us as human beings struggle. We struggle with the emotional side of things. We, we struggle to take away the emotional from um, the, the reality and the facts. The, the reality of the situation is what DeMar Hamlin went through was truly traumatic and a horrific thing for, for all of us to see. A guy basically dying on the field in, on national television. But, but the fact of the matter was the odds of that some the odds of that happening in the first place are extremely, extremely slim. And it's a very, very, very rare incident. Uh, so rare that something like that, you could go through the history of the NFL and how many times can you actually think of something like that happening? Um, so what my thought process all along was with this is the, the doctors that I would, I was listening to on television and those that are way more educated than me, they, they consistently kept saying the same thing. They said, if he makes a full recovery, and if was a big, big word in this, Kevin, um, if he makes a full recovery, he will be his normal self again. They, they kept reiterating that. Uh, as long as there wasn't uh, oxygen gone enough where it impacted his brain or impacted his heart or his organs or other things like that, if he made a full recovery, he would just be a normal, he would just be his normal self. And they said at that point in time, the chances of something like that happening again would be the same chance of it happening to any football player at any given moment on a field. So I think that gave me comfort at that point, saying that I thought if he could mentally get past the burden of suiting up again, that yep. he would be there. And I think early indications, even uh, in the early spring, he was saying, I want to play. I, I want to be back there if I can. I want to be with my brothers. I want to be with my family. And once you saw him back at minicamp in OTAs, it was evident he, he's going to give this a shot. So, and, and now you're starting to see him play with the backups and and make some plays. And obviously they're not they're not rushing him in. And I, I think the, the the last thing I'll say is people obviously this was a heart related incident, but it yep. wasn't one of those where he was high risk where like with a heart attack or a stroke, you have underlying health conditions. He doesn't have something that leads to that. So from a, 
while not a health expert, I, I just felt confident. This is one of those unfortunate freak, freak, freak accidents. But as long as he could handle, handle the emotional and mental burden of it, he would be back. And one other s- stupid point to be made, because obviously I've never dealt with something like this, is DeMar has even admitted he doesn't have memory of what happened on the field of Monday Night Football. I don't know if he's sure. watched the clip. I don't know uh, if he's seen it. But when you don't have the memory of something traumatic happening, that does make it easier to come back from. Granted, like he remembers being on a hospital bed. He, rem- he remembers the, the recovery and all that stuff. But there were outlying things that kind of made me think, For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. He probably has a better shot at playing football and sooner rather than later than what maybe the majority of fans and other people would have thought. Mike, one quick question about this. I agree with everything you said. You were on it early, so I'll give you your your flowers on that. I think you were, you know, you were saying these kind of takes back in March and it was uh, correct. Um, But does he win comeback player of the year? Yes. Just simple yes or no. Yeah, easily. If he he takes one snap, he wins it. You think so? Okay. Makes a roster, takes one snap. Okay. I agree. If he makes, I think, I agree with you. I think he needs to play special teams or at least be active um, and be a backup for the, for the, on the team for the majority of the year. But I think that he is odds on favorite for comeback player of the year when many people thought he would never take a snap again, uh, maybe never be the same again. It is, it is a wonderful and heart inspiring story um, for uh, how well he's rehabbed and what a, what a great, um, you know, great individual. I mean, just and Kevin, that last thing too. Uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off. No. People are forgetting he's a good player too. Like this, yeah, this is, no, I mean, he started and he was he filled in very well last year after mm-hmm. Micah Hyde went down and was uh, was a contributor. Had some flash moments, obviously some learning curves. Who he he had yep. some rough patches, but he's a guy that before the the incident, I would have told you. I think he has a chance to take over for one of those safeties once they leave Buffalo. And who knows if they had known more about DeMar Hamlin's health uh, heading into the offseason, maybe there's a chance Poyer would have ended up going somewhere else. Maybe the bills would have uh, stuck with so. DeMar Hamlin. We'll never really know the answer. To that. Yeah. Much. Hamlin and rap, right. They would yeah, have probably we'll handcuffed we'll him with rap. Yeah. Um, they were sad. They were sad based on what I've heard and inside the team, my sources rap was on the target anyway, target list anyways. And Poyer just happened to come back um, to your point, had the Hamlin incident not happened and it was more clear in March. Uh, I do believe they may have rolled rap in Hamlin uh, and obviously and Hyde um, as a, as a trio. So you are correct. Uh, they, the, the, the Poyer on the, um, the Poyer was just a nice little cherry on top of, of getting back your entrenched starters I'm getting them at a great Brandon Bean rate. Brandon Bean will take anybody at the Brandon Bean rate. And he got Poyer at it. He got Rap at it. And he has gotten many, specifically defenders, at the uh, Brandon Bean rate, the BBR. Um, so that is, there is no issues. When, he, when you, when you pay, play his rate, he will stockpile 
at a position group and you see it a little bit at safety. He has some solid depth of safety and he likes what, and, and unfortunately they like what they see out of Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis is a, is a torpedo. He made a play of a day on Latavius Murray who had the entire defense uh, uh, yucking it up. So it was an amazing uh, stick torpedo play by Cam Lewis. He's great on special teams. He can play multiple different positions. He just happens to have Justin Jefferson, uh, Tom Foolery one-handed when all he has to do is knock it uh, out of bounds. And it's easy for all of us to say, uh, because I think Hamlin's thought he was going to seal the game with a nice interception. He just had the one, maybe two hands, maybe maybe just one hand in the league who happened to go up and uh, win the ball, which was an interception. It just happened to be by one of probably will come down as one of the best receivers ever in double C and Justin Jefferson. But anyways, Mike, so that's a solid safety. But I wanted to talk about the defensive line, how good it's been. That is some things I've taken major notes on this season. Uh and I have a quote that really sticks out to me um, by Eric Washington. Greg is faster, stronger, and more experienced. Defensive line um, has been uh, excellent. His rush on the right defensive end against our, off, our left offensive tackle, I've seen to start to improve. His, uh, his level of comfort and just his understanding of situations and knowing how to win one-on-one, on one, how to use his exceptional length to his advantage to set up some of the great things he does to win. Uh, so – incredible praise so far from Greg Rousseau, who has bounced inside in certain past situations. Very fun to think about a past situation with uh, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, uh, Floyd, as well as uh, Miller coming back too. So it's, it's going to be a scary good. And then they really like what they see out of AJ Epinesa. So the counter punch might to the offensive line where really I have tracked a lot of Spencer Brown. He has been good. He has won a lot in team. He has had his moments. He was really good in two-on-twos. Uh, just had a really bad team session today. Uh, but this defensive line added Leonard Floyd, another year of, of um, Greg Russo, A.J. Epinesa finally playing where he needs to be, and Von Miller coming back. Mike, it's a real – and then Puna Ford, who has had his pick six uh, as well. It has been a really good defensive line. Like Puna, Puna Ford, a healthy Von Miller, and a Leonard Floyd addition was the uh, – influx that the team needed to go from good to pretty good during Von Miller's healthy stretch to below average to now excellent. Um, It's been a thing of camp and it's a thing of beauty to see if this actually comes together like the Philadelphia Eagles. Are you confident how what you've seen? I mean, it's been probably all, you know, punch for punch. The best you see, you've seen Kingsley Jonathan uh, perform well. You've seen Shane Ray, some of the guys down the depth chart. I've seen a little bit from DJ Dale. It'll probably go to the practice squad. So, it's been solid. I don't know that all these guys are going to make through waivers. I really don't. If someone gets traded, it's going to be from this unit. If someone gets claimed, it's going to be from this unit. Give me your opinion on the D-line being absolutely all-world so far as of August 1st. Yeah, they, they've been dominant so far during camp. And I, I see Spin asking, is the D-line that good or is the O-line that bad? I think the D-line is that good. Now, I'm not going to tell you the O-line is great, I, but I, I think the O-line is – at least average this year with most of the guys that they have. You look at this defensive line, they could be elite. I'm not ready to say that they're top three, four, five yet, but they have that type of potential uh, with the guys that they have right now. And I think it's important to say that they really weren't bad the last few years either. We we all dog no, them. For the, we all dog them for the Cincinnati game, but there, there's factors involved there. You had. No Von Miller, no Daquan Jones. You had Jordan Phillips with a torn labrum. You had guys out of spots, and you even had uh, Rousseau that was kind of hampered uh, with some injuries, a high ankle sprain a little bit earlier. So 
we saw at the beginning of last year what that defensive line could do when healthy, when everybody is able to go 100%. And before the season last year, we were asking ourselves, could the Bills have 50 sacks? Now, they ended up pretty well short of that. They've been around the low 40s the last couple years. But where they kind of were struggling in the past few years was the depth at defensive end behind Rousseau, behind Von Miller. You didn't really have that third, fourth defensive end. And then A.J. Epineza has stepped up a little bit. It really looks like we're going to see another step out of A.J. this year. In fact, it looks like he's going to be possibly the starter across from Rousseau until Von Miller gets back. A.J. has been getting a ton of reps with the first-team defense and by all accounts has been pretty solid so far through a week of camp. Leonard Floyd is extra depth. And then when you consider you have guys like Shaq Lawson and Boogie Basham battling it out for what realistically will be the fifth defensive end once everybody is healthy, that's some that's some solid yeah. defensive end play right there. And D-tackle, the addition of Puna Ford kind of changes everything. No one's going to deny Tim Settle was a disappointment last year. That You, you got to say, like we, we spent all this time talking about how Ed Oliver hasn't developed the way we wanted or that Boogie Basham is a disappointment. Tim Settle didn't live up to the preseason hype that he was expected to have on this team. And you add in the Jordan Phillips injury early on against Tennessee, this defensive line never really had a chance to materialize into what it could have been. Now I'm asking for a lot to stay healthy. I know that Kevin, but he was out today. Mike Tim Settle was out today. We can just get Ed Oliver to make a little bit of a leap to be the, somewhat closer to the player we were hoping when he was drafted in the top 10. I'm not asking him to be pro bowl ad. I'm just asking him to be top 15 defensive tackle ad. And then have Puna Ford bring some consistency next to Daquan. I really do think the ceiling for this unit is top three or four in the NFL. The floor, I'm still hoping top 10 defensive line, even if they're not playing their best. I couldn't agree more. I'm very excited about this D-line. Whether or not Tim Settle is or isn't on it, I do believe he, he will make the roster due to the contract structure. We talked about it a few times. And to Roy Collins' question, when do you all do a 53-man roster projection? Going to do it on the 22nd. So three weeks from today, we're getting into the 53-man projection show where Mike and myself will tell you about who we think should make the roster, will he, you know, who he may think to get traded come roster cut down day. And the next week, we have it live on Cover One Podcast Network here on the Going Deep Podcast. We're going to do a live cut down day special because that's when cuts are due, the 29th. So four weeks from today, uh, Mike, Mike and myself will be doing the uh, cut down day show as that's cut down day. So we'll talk about the roster. We'll break it down, any trades that happen, any waiver claims that we might be interested in from players getting cut around the league. We'll talk about that in four weeks from today. Three weeks from today, though, Roy, we will be doing our 53-man roster projection. So stay tuned for that as I just think it's strange to – I like – I'm like – even like mocks, I'll do them um, – I like doing them, but I really like to do one, like one as close as I can do to it and really hone in on the players. I like why I think they're going to draft them. And the same thing in this case, I need to see a little bit more before I make a blind roster projection. And I'm going to do that. So over the next three weeks, I use preseason maybe more than some people do. uh, But I do appreciate everything I see from camp, everything I'm hearing uh, from, from player sources, as well as from uh, the coaching staff 
and then uh, we're going to put that all together with a uh, yeah, you know what what we see that happens from the preseason. So it does that is a paint a picture that I really like to use, and then that's where I come out with my projection. I usually do pretty well. I bat pretty well in my roster projection. So we'll see how I do this year, and we'll track it the following week on the 29th. So that's kind of what's on the full uh, next three and four weeks. Uh, and then the next week or two, Mike, we're just going to keep breaking down preseason games. We're going to be breaking down what we want to see. Obviously, stay healthy. When will Josh Allen play? Uh, those kind of questions. But I want to ask you that before the preseason kicks off, though. I had that uh, as a note. When do you think Josh Allen plays? Game one, two, or three? Uh, I'll say maybe just game two. Uh, that, that's really the only game I think Josh Allen needs to play. Uh, the first preseason game, uh, maybe he'll get a series the first one and uh, play a couple series the second one and then can rest the third one. I personally don't think playing in the first or third game is necessary. You know what you have with Josh Allen. Uh, the, the only thing that you're really trying to, I guess, build uh, if you have Allen out there is the chemistry with Hardy, Sherfield, and then also get used to playing behind some of the new offensive linemen. But uh, everything else, I, I think you pretty much know what to expect. And uh, we're even hearing great reports right now about the chemistry between Gabe Davis and, and Allen early on in camp. So I don't think you really need to see too much, Josh, this preseason. I think that he plays against the Steelers. I think that's when you get um, that's when you get a hold of Josh Allen. He played game two last year. I think they're going to follow, kind of follow suit with the series and how good Gabe Davis has been. So um, that has been a storyline. I do believe the Bills will do whatever they can to retain this player. I, I don't know if they can come to terms. I don't know if they'll, they'll agree to numbers. I'm not really sure uh, how that's going to play out, but I do believe that it'd be nice to get something done. Gabe, by all accounts, has been playing really, really well. He's been, as, as I've been told, receiver one quality, which is what everybody – as much as the expectations were there last year, Mike, I didn't really hear that or see it. Uh, person we just figured it from the Kansas City game I have seen it and I have heard it and I have now been told it that he is playing to level receiver one style of play uh is it a year late maybe in some people's eyes but how do you feel about that coming out from Gabe Davis so I'm gonna use some numbers that I probably sure I don't know uh, if I'm allowed to share or not but I'm gonna I'm gonna say on air just to kind of give some credit to, to Gabe Davis because we're always talking about how, how we support him and how we think he is on the higher end of the wide receiver two discussion. But there's yes. a lot of people that will just rebut that with talking about the drops or talking about the reception uh, rate, which is a dumb stat to begin with because it doesn't take into context the type of routes he's running, uh, the throws that he's receiving um, and the coverage and everything like that. But here's uh, some numbers for you. Among wide receivers with 250 total targets the last three years, there's 45 eligible players. So we're talking about guys that make an impact on their teams. Among those 45 players, Gabe Davis is first in the NFL among those guys in first down rate, touchdown rate, average depth of target, yards per reception, and explosive reception rate. He is, by all measures, if you go into some of these more advanced stats, a productive high-end player. And you even, when he spoke to the media the other day, it was interesting because people were asking him about what he can do, what he likes to do. And he even kind of admitted, he's like, I can play and make plays in the short short passing game. 
I just don't get opportunities to do that. I'm always asked to run deeper routes in the intermediate routes. A lot of that reception rate numbers that people talk about that's in the mid-50s, that would go over 60 if you threw some more wide receiver screens or some more slants to Gabe Davis. Just doesn't get a ton of those opportunities. A lot of those go to to Stephon Diggs. Uh, And Diggs actually capitalizes off of a lot of things that help Diggs out from a statistical standpoint. Not saying that Diggs isn't amazing. He's world class. But when you look at that first down rate at 75.5%, the touchdown rate at 17.7%, average depth of target for Gabe Davis the last three years, 16.4 yards down the field. Those aren't gimmies. Like, those are not gimmies. Uh, Yards per reception, 17.2, and then explosive reception rate of 51%. When they're throwing it to Gabe. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're making plays. Um, So I think fans need to realize like part of the reason some of his numbers suffer is not because of him, but because of how the offense is designed and what role they have for him in this offense. I think now that you added Dalton Kincaid, um, who is, going to take over the slot role. And you have some uh, guys like Sherfield and Hardy that might be able to take care of some other things uh, underneath. Davis should be able to thrive this year on this offense. Now, I don't know if he's going to have more receptions, more yards, because there are more uh, people to feed on this offense this year, Kev. But all the numbers say a healthy Gabe Davis should produce like a high-end wide receiver too this year. I agree with you. I have really high hopes. I think we kind of talked him up. He had that injury last year. I thought he had some unfair expectations. The development of a receiver, too, I really think you're going to see this year. And at the very least, I do think you see Jalen Waddle's style production, maybe out of the receiver, two position. I'm not saying he's as good as Waddle. I do believe that he will be a top receiver, two in this league. And many consider him. So there's some numbers that put him in wide receiver one camp. Um, so... Um, uh, that that to me is amazing from Gabe Davis. He's been that good, and he's been receiver one level. And Diggs said it himself. Like, it could be just Diggs being Diggs, but Diggs keeps it real. He's That's the one thing he does do is keep it real and said that he is a receiver one in this league. No one said he's a top 20 receiver, but he is a receiver one, and to have him behind um, Stephon Diggs is what you're looking for. So I'm pretty excited for it. Everyone's excited for it. Everyone kind of thought um, that – it would be last year, Mike. So I think that those expectations were fairly unfair. Uh, if you think about, you know, what those that out that four touchdown game was looking like, but Mike, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him to potentially stay on this team long-term. Um, there, there's a lot to look forward to from Gabe Davis. If 
um, he is playing like he is said to play so far this offseason. So going to be interesting to watch him in preseason, but um, I don't know how much you're going to see from him because I do think he's that entrenched uh, in, in this. And la- even last year he had some special – or um, some – preseason snaps I don't think you're going to see that this year out of him uh I think that he is by far getting going to get himself a good range of targets uh and Mike we went a whole show without talking about Dalton Kincaid we don't have to belabor the point too too much but uh, I want to ask you about how you feel so far about Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox this 12 personnel that's going to be nice you're going to bring be able to bring in Sherfield and Harvey and others into this 12 personnel and really just have no idea uh, who's blocking and who's going to be going out for a catch. It is going to be a nice wrinkle that a team lacked immediately all last year. So it's amazing that we didn't start with Dalton Kincaid because he has been the story of training camp uh, so far. And he's going to be incredible, Kevin. I, I know we all want to keep our uh, expectations modest. We don't want to go crazy with it. Uh, before, yeah. Last week I said 50 catches, 550 yards, five touchdowns. He could do way better than that if they choose to utilize him the way they have been so far in camp. And I I know you don't have a ton of time, but I wanted to say a few things about Dalton Kincaid and then talk a little bit about the wide receiver three battle. I'll let you give your thoughts on that first. But this is going to be true 12 personnel. They are going to at times have Dalton Kincaid on the line. It's not going to be often, but Bean has alluded to, like they, they can't just ignore it. They have to at least train him a little bit on the line for that. But What Bean said earlier on the Pat McAfee show is you're going to see him a lot in the slot to begin with Knox on the line. And so far during camp, there is such a smoothness to watching Kincaid run routes. Uh, You can just see the difference between him and the other tight ends. Obviously, Dawson Knox is a a good pass-catching tight end overall. Dalton Kincaid is already beyond that. He, He has the ability to shake guys. He, he can read the coverages. He's already had some huge plays uh, early on uh, during this training camp. He had a 50-plus yard reception uh, when I was there early on in camp. So Dalton Kincaid is going to be an impact player. I'm just trying to figure out, do I have uh, the will to say he's going to have 65 catches for over 700 yards? Because to say that for a rookie tight end seems crazy, doesn't but happen. If you go to camp, the Bills are showcasing him every day. Yeah. Every it doesn't day. happen, Mike. It doesn't happen. Over 700 yards is very rare in this league since 19. Uh, will he break it? But he'll, if he'll break it, it's because he's in a pass-happy offense playing the slot. But producer AJ time. We're going to bring up producer AJ. Um, now show host of AJ's analysis on the Buffalo uh, rumblings network, writing daily articles. He has been at camp the last three days, Mike and myself just recapped camp up until uh, Sunday. Uh, but AJ was there Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, AJ, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Uh, pleasure to have you for a few minutes. We had, we popped on your show, I think last week. So it's good to have you over here, but, uh, we got a lot of live listeners, very interested to know what you have going on. Tell us what you saw these last three days. Yeah, it feels like, you know, I'm home, you know, I'm back at the, uh, you know, back, back behind the scenes <laughs> I mean, here. I was back behind the scenes here for a little bit before you brought me in. So uh, Steve has a comment over here on the right side. I heard that Diggs has been lining up in the slot quite a bit of camp, uh, quite a bit of camp. I need truth to that. That just leads me to kind of like my biggest takeaway. And, you know, today was a struggle for the offense. Obviously the offensive line, that's been the biggest talking point. Um, and, and a lot of people are blaming, you know, Spencer Brown for that and stuff like that. But it's not just Spencer Brown. It was the whole offensive line today. It was 
multiple guys getting beat. I thought Deion Dawkins was actually the worst um, looking offensive lineman out there today. He just looked slow. His get off, he was getting beat by, you know, AJ Panessa, Leonard Floyd beat him. So just both tackle spots weren't the greatest in the interior. Ed Oliver was, you know, Ed Oliver was a player on the defense, on the defensive line the past three days for me. I've just been very disruptive. But my biggest takeaway is the offensive playmakers, the ability for Trent Sherfield to line up anywhere on the on the on the boundary in the slot. You have Cleo Secure, who's exclusively been working in the slot and with the first team. I think he has the edge in the wide receiver three battle, if you want to call it that, even though I know Mike was just talking about the expectations of Kincaid. I, I talked about it on my show last night. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have 75 catches, 800 yards, and 10 touchdowns. But the dude, like, he just knows how to play the game of football. He, he has the game sense. He has the route running ability. He has the hands. He just looks the part. Matt Milano, he didn't do much today because Matt Milano made a great play. Because um, Kincaid's been getting the best of Milano, actually, the last couple of days. Winning some routes, winning some battles against Milano. A very good coverage linebacker. Milano responded to that today. Um, Allen tried to deliver a ball. Um over the, over the top, Kincaid kind of used Milano's body to try and reel it in, and Milano, you know, didn't let that happen. Got all hyped up, and uh, Kincaid let the ball fall to the turf. But overall, just the offensive weapons they have, like I said, Shakir, Hardy, they've used all over the field. Diggs has been in the slot a lot. He scored a touchdown in red zone portion yesterday in the slot on Teron Johnson. Um, you know, beautiful route. So, uh, and then last but not least, the, uh, Gabe Davis, he has not altered his way of catching the ball. But he's caught every ball. He's looked really good. He was the the player on the offensive side of the ball today. Just looked smoother in and out of breaks. Um, they lined him up in the slot yesterday. He did a nice quick out route on Teron Johnson, which was crazy to see Gabe Davis lined up in the slot. And then today, he used a, a, a nice shallow drag route. So, like, he's winning at all three levels, something he hasn't really done in the past. So, overall, just the offensive playmakers and the comfortable the, the, the comfortability with Allen and those players is, is very apparent. Yeah, so he has won everywhere. To, to wrap up Gabe Davis, as we talked right before AJ came on the show about how good he's been maybe toward the top of the camp. Maybe the expectations this year are where they should be when they're down, when people are down on him as compared to last year. So it's interesting. He's been good all over the field. Uh, he's been doing short, intermediate, and his usual uh, 20 yards plus. Uh, he's been really good, always been really good intermediate. His numbers pop intermediate, 12 yards plus. He's excellent, actually. Really where he struggled and where you see some drops or you see some issues is under 12 yards, but that's not because he can't do it. It's because of his usage and the, the kind of opportunities that he's seen. But we're now seeing those opportunities uh, in the 0-5 to five yard sector as well as the 5-12 to 12 yard sector. So I'm very excited to see that translate. AJ, who do you think wins the slot job? Like, like, tell me about, I need your opinion on what, who, who I got to have somebody who's going to win the slot job. And I know Kincaid's going to be a part of this, but tell me uh, who else, what receiver is going to win this, this, this the majority of slot snaps. Strictly the receiver. I like what I've seen from Deontay Hardy. Um, I think they love the, the versatility of Trent Sherfield. So I, I, I struggle finding him just being a strictly slot guy. Cause I think he offers so much in the boundary and in the run blocking game. So he can do other things that the other receivers can't. Maybe if Gabe Davis needs a blow or Stephon Diggs needs a blow, he can be that guy that can fill in. But uh, like Roy Collins said here, I think it is Cleo Shakir right now. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse. Although he has had some drop issues today. Uh, there, there was deferring reports today on a, on a deep ball from Allen. It was a nice post. He, you know, launched a laser in between the two safeties. Shakir has to catch the ball. In my opinion, from my vantage point, maybe Cam Lewis got his hand in there and made a nice play, but I think Shakir has to come down with that ball 10 out of 10 times. 
Um, it, it was a perfectly placed ball. So he has had some drop issues. I know in individual drills at the beginning of practice, he's had some drops, but he hasn't been, he's been a little inconsistent, but he has made some plays as well. Um, so it's hard because I think Kincaid is so good over the middle and in that slot option. But if we're just talking strictly receiver, uh, Deontay Hardy's been used all over the field. It hasn't just been in the slot. So I think if you're talking strictly slot, it's clear secure right now for me. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of strange right now because we're so used to just one guy being the slot because we've had Cole Beasley for so many years. And then obviously last year, Isaiah McKenzie was the guy that when we look at these receivers, Hardy, Shakir, Sherfield, we're just looking for one of them to kind of take over that spot. When in the reality of the situation is when you refer to wide receiver three, it might just be a combination of all three guys having different roles. Like maybe Shakir is the one that, sticks only in the slot while a Hardy moves around the field. Sherfield might move around to different spots, but I think it's obvious from the early stretches of, of camp that they intend on using all of those guys uh, this season. It's not going to be like last year where uh, wide receiver five, wide receiver six are basically just special teamers uh, that, that don't really contribute much on the field. I've changed my opinion from going into camp before camp. I was, of the, the view that Sherfield was really not going to be much of much of a part of this offense. Maybe he'll block a little bit, get a catch here or there. I think Sherfield will be a contributor. I don't think he's going to be a massive contributor, but I do think you could expect him to be around 25 catches, something like that. Hardy might be uh, a little bit more. And then even Shakir, we'll see what happens. I will say this. I need Shakir to be more consistent. He's been very up and down so far in camp and if it wasn't for him being a fifth round pick that the Bills seemingly were high on last year and developing him, I'd be questioning a little bit about what's going on with him so far, because I don't feel like we're seeing all the upside that Kevin and I, and and you to some extent have felt uh, over the last year or so. Great question. Uh, As we stay on the receiver topic, what has Mike, have you seen early on? And AJ more recently, tell me about guys. It's been I've been asked this a lot around town. I don't know what it is about fifth round receivers, but uh, AJ, we'll start with you. Then we'll go to Mike. What have you seen from Shorter in his uh, you know second and thirteen battles? Yeah, he had a nice reception today. I haven't really noticed him much. Um, I've really been focusing on the on the first team offense and defense just to see like who's in there because they they've been heavily rotating in the interior um, with the linebackers and the with the cornerback room. So I'm just kind of paying attention to that. But he had a nice reception today with the second team from Kyle Allen. Uh, you know, he's been he hasn't really flashed to me, um, but I think he is a lock to make the roster just because of his special teams contributions. He's been getting a lot of work. Um, yeah. with the special teams unit. So I think that's where he finds his roster spot and he can develop his, you know, his receiving game down the line here throughout the season. Uh, but he had a nice cu- couple of receptions yesterday and uh, he's looking to continue to build on that, but not really much work with the first team at all. Yeah, that, that's exactly like? what, what I feel, Kev. We, we just haven't seen much from Justin Shorter to this point in time. And when he was drafted in the fifth round, I didn't really think we would see much from him offensively this year. You look at the top five, it's pretty defined with uh, the guys that they currently have. And Shorter was kind of the opposite of Khalil Shakir. I know they were both fifth-round picks, and you are where uh, you are what you are and drafted where you're drafted. But Khalil Shakir was a guy that we thought was a day-two pick that was a faller in the draft to the Bills in the fifth round. Justin Shorter was more of a guy that – most people thought was a sixth or seventh round pick, maybe UDFA, that the Bills seemingly 
drafted higher than what many would have um, mocked him in the draft. So if Khalil Shakir was a developmental prospect on last year's team that had holes at wide receiver, I don't see a path to where shorter on a team with a little bit more depth at receiver and more defined roles. I don't see how shorter is really going to make much of an impact this year. Maybe he could get an occasional red zone rep here or there. If uh, you really trust his size and the ability to maybe make a, a jump ball or something special. But I think this year exclusively special teams for the most part. And you hope that you can, you can find something to work with to develop him to where in the future, maybe next year or the year after that, you can start playing him more in the offense. I will say this about Shorter. He was given a jersey on game day to be a gunner. I do believe that there are some hopes that he can take a gunner job, maybe with Saran Neal. Uh, we'll see how that plays itself out. He was said to get a jersey for special teams ability. That's why they drafted him. They were trying to draft players that could get a jersey on game day. To AJ's point, uh, I do believe he's on the roster. Uh, Mike, you said it as well. I think you said uh, he's going to develop as a special teamer with receiver uh, ability. I think that you'll see that. And that's how you develop in this league because you need to stay on an active game day roster to get those development, um, the mental reps. And that's how he's going to stay on this roster. And it's, and it's going to be very intriguing to have him over a Jake Kumaro. Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe an in-game short-term injury happens. Maybe, uh, you know, Hardy's got to go out for, you know, a quarter or, or, you know, some variation of a, you know, game and he gets dinged up or, you know, whatever could happen. Um, and you never know that he's the next boundary in and he's just finding himself just because he had a jersey. Uh, he could find himself getting passes against a corner two or three, maybe not the top corners in the league from a Josh Allen uh, who's able to um, get it done with him. So, guys, I'm intrigued by him. Have we seen anything to this date? No, I've seen some rough plays. I've seen some good moments and I've seen some ability to play special teams, which is intriguing to me. But as of right now, he's going to be a special team standout, in my opinion. And he's going to be someone that is like a Marcus Easley. He's going to be someone that maybe earns the job in preseason uh, to show that maybe he has some receiver chops. He's going to get a ton of time, guys, uh, especially now releasing Wayne. I mean, you have Andy Isabella returning punts. Um, so that's going to be an interesting uh, battle as well. So I think that Shorter is going to get a ton of action. You know, the Bills don't have a ton of those later guys. So he's going to see a ton of second half football here coming up shortly. So that's going to be an interesting player to follow uh, who's going to get targeted, probably a good deal from the Kyle Allens and the Matt Barkley's of the world. So it's something that I'm going to, to be focusing on to see what he looks like, even against the, the, the eight, the eighth, the 10th cornerback of the Indianapolis Colts. So it's going to be uh, uh, an interesting thing. He should be above that. So we'll see if he's able to win and thus uh, get his jersey on game day. Uh, so he's going to be an intriguing player to follow as camp goes on. AJ, give me a player we should be watching for. I know, hey, believe it or not, AJ and Mike and myself, we still uh, we still talk fairly regularly, as as many people know, that we're following our show this whole year. Uh, AJ was a producer here at our show before starting his own show. AJ's analysis over on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network, as well as great content over there. AJ writes uh, and, and puts up his notes and camp thoughts of the day. So check out his days that he was there as well as other content but aj give us some players and we appreciate having you for 20 minutes here but give us your player we should be watching for and training like who intrigued you like obviously there's dalton kincaid's of the world but give us someone that intrigued you like huh i kind of want to see them in preseason who would it be it's gonna be balen specter for me and i and i didn't even see him get any first team reps um today but on the second team he made two great plays um, one breaking up a pass. I forgot who it was intended for, but he broke it up, made a great play on the ball. And then he stopped um, Mims in the backfield for a, a loss on the run game. So very aggressive, attacking, 
Um, I know he had a really good day when he got his opportunity. Does he get another opportunity to be the first team, you know, middle linebacker? I don't know. Um, but that's one guy, and then I'll pick one more. I'm going to go with uh, Dane Jackson. I know it's not the most intriguing okay. selection, but I think he – I talked to you about it, Kevin, earlier. His floor right now is just higher than a, a Kyrie Elam. And I know Kyrie Elam's ceilings. You know, Kyrie Elam at his ceiling is a better player than Dane Jackson. He has the athletic traits. He has the tools. He has the recovery speed. He, he's very handsy. And, you know, today you saw him benefit from the aggressive Sean McDermott defense. They were rushing, you know, seven, six, majority of the time. And that's another reason why I think the offensive line struggled. They were the, – the communication across the board was tough. And the the, the corners and the, and the DBs were doing a really good job. I think Elam had his best day today. So, uh, Dane Jackson, though, for me, uh, he's just been a consistent player throughout the last couple of days of camp. He's made a couple of great pass breakups. He's – been in the system for a while he's played with you know Jordan Poyer Micah Hyde Trey White for a long time now if you actually think about it so he, he's a guy for right. me that it's going to be is it going to be a committee is it going to be an exclusive who wins the CB2 battle I don't know there's still you know part of me that thinks Kyrie Elam does win it but I would not be surprised at all if they roll out Dane Jackson there week one just because of the comfortability and what he what they know he can do and once Elam can become that more consistent practice player and develop into a guy that can hit his ceiling more frequently and more often that high ceiling that he has, I think could play into the cards as the season goes on. Middle linebacker is an interesting position. I agree with you. I think Spectre still has an outside side chance to do something here. Will he be given the second half of these games? Will he be given a game game three um, to on August 26th uh, to get it done against the bears? Will he be given a chance to lead the defense? Uh, we'll see. I mean, things happen and he is enough in the conversation to work himself in it especially if someone's dinged up or something happens where they look awful in these preseason games. So I do like the Bale Inspector pick. I still tend to think Terrell Bernard wins this job from everything I've heard inside team inside the team and from team sources, but we'll see. Uh, I could easily go to Terrell Dodson um, and uh, that's that, but I do believe Bernard has this job at some point this season uh, earlier rather than later. So we'll see if that comes to fruition, but I want to ask you that this one was actually really intriguing. It was on my mind lately are the Bills okay at backup quarterback? I, I mean, Kyle Land's losing some reps to Barkley, and Barkley is a practice squad QB3. So are we worried? Are we, is this is what it is? I don't know about going out and trading for Trey Lance, um, but I think there's something to this question of, are we okay there, or are we going to check this waiver wire out come uh, August 26th? Yeah, I haven't really liked what I've seen from Kyle Allen. He's just not. He's right. He's, he's had trouble being accurate. He hasn't really done much, but at the end of the day, for me, it's like, is it a pointless conversation? Because don't you, you know, you, you need your most important player available. And I, I know there might be moments where, Hey, Allen gets hurt and goes down for a few games and you're going to need that quarterback, you know, that second quarterback because of Allen's play style to come in and get a couple of wins. Um, is Kyle Allen capable of that? I don't know. I think, like Kevin said earlier when I was talking to with him, I think preseason will tell more of the story with Kyle Allen. He'll get the opportunities in preseason to showcase what he can do, but I haven't really liked what I've seen from him so far. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, it's a, it's a hard conversation because you know, you can't do it without Josh, but you also know that if Josh goes down, you probably want a guy that is capable of maybe putting a, you know, together a couple of good games. I don't know if Kyle Allen's, Good enough for that, but he does have experience, and I think with preseason games, you'll you'll know more about it. Mike, I'm going to go to you too on this question, but don't forget, you know, 98 yards in the AFC divisional round. Mahomes is hurt. You think that it might be over? Like Mahomes can barely walk. He could barely walk that game. He didn't play 
extraordinarily well in the AFC Championship game uh, with his usual mobility against uh, against Cincinnati, but he's still so uh, uh, next level uh, how good he is. But uh, you saw Chad Henney go down the field for a touchdown drive for 98 yards in an AFC divisional. Not We're not talking about uh, <laughs> against the worst team in the league in week 12. You know, no biggie, not, nothing really on the line. You're talking about in the biggest moment where Jacksonville could have gotten some momentum um, and him doing everything he can to really salt the game away. And, and, and you know, that Kansas City only won by a touchdown. Um, so it was a big moment in the game. So, like, I don't think that in a long stretch, if I, Allen's out for the season, doesn't really matter, guys. It doesn't matter. Um, but if he's out two quarters to two games, um, I do think that there is some interest level there. And I don't know how good Kyle Allen is. I think he's just a caddy. He is the guy I'd want as my QB3 to compete with Matt Barkley. That makes literal sense. Um, but, Mike, to you now, real quickly, are we okay there? Like, it's, it's an interesting note that these guys are going to play a lot in the preseason. You know, uh, Josh Allen's going to play one to two series max. So we're going to see two games plus 75% or more, or maybe 80 to 85% of the other third game. So 2.8 games. Mike, are you worried about this backup quarter? You only two guys there that are going to play a lot. Or or are you just like whatever? I'm whatever, Kevin. Honestly, okay. whatever happens, happens. If, if Josh Allen is out for an extended period of time, like AJ said, they're screwed either way. So – let's hope that the, the okay. better Allen stays healthy and is able to play the majority of games this year. Kyle Allen, I'll say this. He's not at the bottom half of backup quarterbacks in the league. He might not be in the top 10 of backup quarterbacks, but he's decently average uh, for a backup. He had a season with Carolina early on in his career where he went five and seven in 12 games. So at that point in time, they even thought he could potentially be a starter early in his career threw for 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions uh, that season. So it's not like the guy is horrible. He hasn't splashed early on in practice. And you can obviously see a drop-off behind Josh, but that's going to be the case with the overwhelming majority of back quarterbacks. When you have a guy like Josh Allen who can do things that almost no one else in the, the league can do, and then you put a middle-of-the-pack backup quarterback in, there's going to be a huge drop-off. We even saw that last year with Case Keenum uh, at times. Now – we, we've kind of gotten used to having more experienced backups, having Case Keenum, having a Mitch Trubisky uh, in recent years. But most of the time you're going to end up having a guy closer to what okay. Kyle Allen is than you are going to have a Trubisky or a Keenum, uh, players that have started and expect to at least give competition um, to other quarterbacks when they, they go to new markets. So is it a worry? no. But do I think he can win a game or two if Josh Allen was out? That's going to be more dependent on the defense carrying the load and the Bills being able to just run the ball and keep the clock. Depends on the stretch, Mike. It really does. If if you're you're playing Philadelphia, Dallas, like Kansas City, Cincy, that stretch, no, you're you're cooked. You're you're in trouble. But if if you're (laughs) asking, uh, can Kyle Allen lead the Bills over Washington or the Raiders or the Giants? Yeah, absolutely he can. Uh, I, I don't know if I would pick the Bills as favorites in any of those games, but you still have Stephon Diggs. You still have Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, and you have and what should be a top five defense. Uh, that's where you, you go to McDermott and you, you tell him, hey, well, well, he tells himself this, I guess. 
we got to get it done with my specialty today. Uh, we can't rely on the quarterback to, to carry us. We got to have the defense win this. And I think if that was the case, you'd see a much drastically different Bills game plan to where a lot more running the ball, conservative play calling on offense, and let your defense kind of attack and dictate uh, how the game is played. Agreed. Um, I think that there is something to be said for the stretch of football that a team could go through. He played five and seven football. He played pretty well in Washington to the fact where Houston was like, let's give him a shot. You know, I don't know what we like from Davis Mills. Uh, didn't play particularly well, but he's a 63 to 65% completion percentage guy. You can do that with a Dalton Kincaid, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. You can play a stretch of football that the Bills are looking for and maybe work yourself to a Trubisky contract. He's only 27, guys. He's not 38. Uh, he's got some mobility. He's a good completion percentage guy. So I'm interested to see him. I really am. Uh, there's not going to be a ton to watch for beside the middle linebacker. We talked about cornerback two a little bit. But the, the backup quarterback is something you can watch for in this because you got to see, can, can he command a huddle? Can he get it done against the twos and the threes? If he can't, I do believe the Bills should be looking in the waiver wire in August. Uh, put Barkley on the practice squad and make a move there. So we'll see if any of that needs to come to fruition. AJ, thank you so much for coming on our show. Give us, what are you working on? What are you doing this week? Tell us what you're working on, what you're looking forward to, and uh, tell us everything you got going on. Yeah, I'm going to try and make it down. Well, first off, is there like some new uh, like graphics going on here? Like it's, uh, you guys got some new graphics going on? The comments are different. decided to just not work today. So everything that's supposed to be behind here is not, popping up so just fun times aj you know yeah well, the, the comments when you're pulling up the comment it might be on my end but they look different like they look no they no look they, cool. they are different aj this okay. is going back to like episode one or two of the going deep pod before we had a backdrop and things that actually look nice on screen so uh to any of our long long time listeners uh they might recall an episode or two like this all right yeah, yeah. Sure. anyway I'm going to try and get up to Friday to the uh, Red and Blue scrimmage. Check out, check that out. And then, you know, it's just going to be a lot of listening to press conferences again because, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not able to – I don't have any more tickets. I might try and get a couple more and go to a couple more days and bring the live updates and coverage that the uh, people have enjoyed. So I, w- I want to continue to try and do that. But if I can, it'll just be a lot of press conference stuff, a lot of press conference takeaway articles. I'm going to do my show every Monday night. I'm going to try and get some guests on for the next couple of weeks. So – Look forward to that, and uh, you guys do a great job over at Cover One, and uh, you guys, you know, keep on keeping on, and keep, you know, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost here. So, um, I'm very excited to, very excited to get some football back yep. in my life. We've reached the top of the hour. We've had a special guest, AJ, pop in for 20, 25 minutes. It was great to get his insight. He spent a great three days. Follow his Twitter feed, too, not just Buffalo Rumbling. Gives you live updates of pressers, what he thinks, what he sees on the field. Uh, a great Twitter follow. Gives you those daily, those those live updates, um, as well as his AJ Analysis podcast, Mondays at 7. Um, so we are excited to have him throughout this season. I'm sure he'll pop in every couple you know, couple weeks or a month or so. Uh, we'll have him pop in. Um, so that's that's going to be fun. Mike, it's going to be a great August, one of my favorite months. The weather's great. Some preseason football is something I enjoy more than the average person because I really do take some stuff away from this stuff. The ones, you can take a little bit from the twos, a little bit more, but really the back end of the twos, the threes, you can take some stuff from this. Jobs are one uh, in the preseasons from roster position 46 to 52, uh, and that can move up if your team's bad. But uh, at least in the Bills' case, you know, you could have three to four roster players made. So we're pretty excited. Uh, People are um, very excited to have you, AJ. So thank you for popping in. Um, And from the Going Deep podcast, 
Mike Pine, AJ Sobolski from AJ's Analysis. We're looking forward to a great offseason. Tuesdays at 7, we're going to be breaking down our roster prediction show in a couple of weeks, as well as the live cutdown day show as cuts are on a Tuesday. So lucky us. Uh, so we're going to be here and be ready for it. It is one of my favorite days to talk about waiver claims potentially, as well as if there is a UDFA that makes the the – the team and i have to shout out to my guy richard garage um he's been good so we'll see if he's able to make that push uh to and we're talking about how bad the o-line's been we'll see if he's able to make the push for the roster it is going to be something i'm tracking but aj mike appreciate you both uh and from everyone at the cover one network we'll catch you next week Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.